I wanted to get to this really interesting story that I saw um, earlier on in the week. It has to do with Breonna Taylor. If you recall, that was the young woman in Louisville who was shot uh, while police were executing a warrant on her home. Now, she was only shot because, uh, sadly, her boyfriend at the time shot at police first. Uh, we'll get into the details of that. But this has to do with her ex-boyfriend. So the individual, um, Jamar Jamarcus Clover is his name. Now, he was the individual Glover. He was the individual who uh, was the reason why police were at Breonna Taylor's home that night. Uh, he's an individual who has a just a long, lengthy criminal background, a lot of it regarding drugs uh, and the sale of drugs, the selling of drugs. Um, but he's back in the news because he's on the run. Surprise, surprise, right? We have an individual who um, has been under police investigation for years because he's been involved in just criminal, horrific behavior. Um, if you recall, this is the same individual, right, uh, who had a dead body found in Breonna Taylor's rental car in the trunk, right? This is the same man, Mr. Clover. Uh, he is also the same person who's responsible for Breonna Taylor's death, and in addition to that, earlier this year, he was responsible for the death, well, allegedly, I guess I should have to say, because he was never charged, but there was a 13-year-old child in a home that he shared with that child who sadly passed away from a fentanyl overdose. Um, and he is now on the run. Um, so Mr. Glover is somebody who has a very long, extensive criminal background, probably someone with anyone with common sense would say, shouldn't be on the streets. Uh, but he was because yet again, uh, these liberal prosecutors, uh, they all have empathy for criminals. And so he was on the streets. And sadly, uh, now a third, a third fatality is being linked to him, uh, allegedly. So he's on the run right now. He's jumped his bail and he's fleeing. Um, and I thought it was interesting while I was reading through his case that uh, while he was put on probation for previous drug charges, he somehow told... Uh, Louisville prosecutors that he wanted to relocate to Mississippi, uh, I believe. So yeah, it was Mississippi. Uh, and I thought it was pretty strange, right? So I've never really heard of people while they're being put on probation, relocating somewhere else and the probation being uh, granted in a different state. But yeah, it did right here. So we have, uh, I've reached out personally to the Louisville prosecutor to figure out why they granted uh, Mr. Glover this type of relocation and probation. And they said these type of things happen all the time. They gave me, in a, they told me in a statement saying that he asked for a transfer to Mississippi and they just decided not to object. And so right now he could be on the run anywhere from Louisville, Mississippi to anywhere in the country right now. Um, and sadly, you know, I've reached out to also ask why hasn't he been charged in the death of the 13 year old child who was killed earlier this year over a fentanyl overdose. Um, and I haven't received a response back. Uh, but it's deeply concerning. Uh, I've also asked the federal government as to why they haven't charged him, and they still haven't responded to me either. Um, but this all has to do with uh, repeated criminal behavior, um, and it's alarming, like I said. And I've got some questions. I want some answers, and there's nobody else better to ask those questions to than a man who's been personally involved in all of this, Sergeant uh, John Mattingly, who joins me now, and he's going to kind of walk us through everything. So thank you, Sergeant John Mattingly, for being here today. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, Thanks, once I saw this, thank you. Once I saw this pop up, I knew I had to reach out to you because <sighs> you obviously know this better than anyone, anyone else. And you try to go through the media, you try to follow it, but there's a lot of 
um, intentionally misleading information that's being put out there. So I go straight to the source and I turn to you. Uh, you're also the author of one of my favorite reads, uh, 12 Seconds in the Dark. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. It is a bestseller and I recommend our audience go out and get that. Um, so thank you again for being here. Your reaction to all of this. Um, we have somebody who you've also tried to pull off the streets, I'm sure. And you've kind of spent your entire career doing this, taking dangerous people off the streets throughout Louisville. And, and sadly, he was put back onto the streets. He was given probation. Uh, sadly, there's a 13-year-old child who has now passed away. Uh, just your reaction to, to all of this legal um, legal nonsense that continues to go on with this man. Well, I would love to say I'm surprised. But the fact of the matter is this, this happens all over the country. Um, it's happened many times in Louisville alone. If you look at the majority of the police-involved shootings or the murders that take place, they're about repeat offenders who probably 80% of them should have still been in prison or still been in jail. And these, these prosecutors, these judges just are consistently uh, letting them out. And it's a danger to our children and our families. And uh, that's probably the biggest true pandemic in America right now because the justice system's just out of control. And, and Brianna, I'm telling you, if, they, if it were you or I that committed one of these crimes and not a career criminal, you'd still be in jail. You'd be waiting for bond. Because here's this guy. He had eight and a half years on the shelf if he did anything back in Louisville. Two months after they gave him that original deal to go back to Mississippi, which is where he's originally from, that he's got an extensive criminal history past, by the way. So he said, I'll go back there and I'll be good. They said, fine, leave. You know, you're, you're a minister, our state, which in my opinion, he should have been linked back to the death of Breonna Taylor. He should have been held accountable for that. But, mm -hmm. you know, she bailed him out in January. So she was part of, of, of the whole connection and getting him out of jail and back on the street selling the drugs. And so when the eight and a half years, they didn't push back on when he first got locked up. And all they did was give him a $20,000 bond again. It was posted mm -hmm. the next day and he's gone in the wind. So, you know, again, I'd love to say I'm surprised, but this is just par for the course, especially in, in your more liberal cities like Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because like I said, there's a child involved, but I mean, he's got this long, like you just detailed this long criminal background and, and there really was no excuse to put him back out there on the streets. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, and I think it's also really important, you know, when people discuss the whole Breonna Taylor shooting, they tend to use this photo, and I, I, we decided not to use it because I think it's misleading, of her dressed up uh, as a paramedic, and they've always made it seem like she was a paramedic who was just laying in bed one day and was shot by the police when you guys uh, you implemented a no-knock warrant, which we're going to discuss what that actually is, um, and, and they made up this whole fabricated story regarding it. Um, and, and none of that is true. And we know because we've seen court documents that show that that's not true. And they've never gone back and they've never um, issued a correction on those claims that they falsely made. Um, now we have another situation that would, would have been preventable, unfortunately, if uh, the Louisville prosecutor did their job and held them fully accountable. But I want to talk about the no-knock warrant situation. So that was something that was highly controversial um, just days after the shooting. Um, the media kind of spun it like, uh, you all were there and you all uh, just barged into her home without announcing your presence outside of her home and um, and shot her while she was just laying there. And that's not what happened. It's, we no. just, yeah, that's not, I'll let you tell the whole story, no. but we all know that that you guys didn't shoot the first bullet that was that came from her boyfriend at the time. Right. And um, we know that the no-knock warrants, well, I know that the no-knock warrants are usually issued, but they're not usually implemented. They're just kind of there as a safety kind of measure. So let me hear you kind of explain to our audience what the purpose of a no-knock warrant is when, when you ask for one 
and uh, whether or not that was implemented the day when you guys went to go uh, search Brianna Taylor's home. Yeah, so no-knock warrants are, are generally for safety of the police or the people inside because it gives you an opportunity to get the advantage on them, psychological advantage, be you, you overcome with, with strength and power and speed, and they don't have a chance to get their wits about them. Because generally, even in regular warrants we do, which is usually 10 to 15 seconds you're knocking announcing at a door, we still have the advantage. Um, in our case, we didn't do either of those. We were given Brianna extra time. We were at the door for about a minute knocking and announcing. Um, but the, but the no-knocks are based on several factors. It's not just one. You've got the, the location, whether it's fortified, whether there are cameras, um, the, suspe the suspect's criminal history, if it's violent, if they're part of syndicated criminal organizations. All these things come into, in, into factors on <clears throat> whether or not we go for a no-knock. In this case, the judge did sign it based on Jamarcus Glover. But because of the whereabouts, they had the, the tracker on the vehicle, the ping on the phone, pole cams up. They knew he was going to be down on Elliott, which was the other location. So even during the brief, they said, even though this is signed as a no-knock and legally we'd have been justified to serve it as that, looking back, kind of wish we had because I don't think you would even have met me because Brown would be alive. Um, but based on the information they had, they did the correct thing and said, this is no longer fits the parameters of a no-knock, so let's do it as a uh, knock and announce. And that's where we were that night. Unfortunately, you had people like LeBron James, Kamala Harris, uh, Ben Crump all getting on there saying, oh, they had the wrong house and all they did. This, LeBron used almost your exact verbiage. He said on national TV, all they did was do what police do. They kicked in the door and went in and started shooting. And that in of itself kind of took me aback because I'm like, so that's you're telling your millions of followers, especially in the, in the black community, that that's what police do. We just kick in doors randomly and start shooting people. And it's very reckless on the part of, of these celebrities, these politicians uh, to put that stuff out and, and because it puts everybody in danger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, um, John, you literally took a bullet during this situation. Um, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, her current boyfriend at the time, shot you. And that's the reason why police responded and returned fire. And, and people do not talk about that. So when you're watching the media cover it from this biased standpoint and you're sitting there in the hospital like, hey, guys, I got a bullet in my leg. Um, yeah. What's your reaction to all of this? Because ultimately, um, the media, celebrities, they're really stirring um, public outrage against you guys. And, and that puts you all at risk, doesn't it? Yeah. And the main people it puts us at risk is our families, because like like you said, I have a femoral uh, wound that they had to repair. Thank God we had a tourniquet on site or, or I'd be dead. But so, but when that takes place and you're sitting there scratching your head going, okay, well, at least my department's going to come to my defense. My city's going to come to my defense. And then that never takes place. You know, that's the biggest betrayal. And that's why you're seeing police departments across the country with guys just mass exodus because yeah. their, their departments do not have their back on the things that they're training them to do, putting them on the street and then asking them to do. Then when they do it mm -hmm. and things go sideways, even if they're in the right, the departments are just like, oh, I don't know this guy, you know, good luck. We didn't, we didn't train that when, when in fact they do. Um, and so that's causing something that five, 10 years down the road, we're, it's going to take years to catch up uh, and get our, our departments back up to par uh, where they need to be for public safety. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sadly, Louisville does have um, a high murder rate, one of the highest in the country. And um, it, it means like when, when people are looking to become police officers, sadly, they're not going to want to go to cities like Louisville, right? Because they're going to look at this and they're going to say, well, this is how quickly they, they turn on their officers. We know that several of the officers that were there that day are, have been criminally charged and they're being prosecuted like 
no other. It's it's quite depressing. Um, John, do you think if you weren't shot that day, do you think that they probably would have targeted you as well and tried to criminally prosecute oh, you as well? 100%. I've said that from day one. I said that it's bizarre and sad that I say the biggest blessing that came out of being shot was backing off the DOJ a little bit and not coming at me. Um, I was one of the few spared. And, you know, I was one of the ones that returned fire, yet I was spared because I think in the big picture, they know that, that the, the attacks they're coming at are totally off base. Um, but due to public pressure, they have to put some sacrificial lamb out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's truly as unfortunate. Um, John, I also want to ask you about, you know, obtaining the warrant. Obviously, um, we've heard stories about um, Brianna's involvement in all of this. Uh, jail calls that this took place where she was, she sounded like she was heavily involved with this man, uh, shifting money around for him, allegedly. Uh, there were other accusations that there was a dead body found uh, in a rental car that was in her name. Um, why do you think the media missed out on all of that, I guess is my, my point. Because, yeah, it's very unfortunate that she lost her life that day, and I don't think that she should have. But uh, we're ignoring the fact that um, that there were a bunch of a chain reaction of bad decisions that were made on her part that would have avoided you being there at, what, 6 a.m., banging on her front door um, and, and trying to make you know, entering into her home. That's all could have been avoided if she made better decisions. Why is the media avoiding all of that? You know, I'm only assuming because it didn't fit the narrative. You know, we asked the same thing about our city. Why didn't you push back? And they just, they couldn't give us an answer or they refused to give us an answer. Um, you know, why wasn't all the evidence pursued? There's cell phones that were in the apartment that were never downloaded or never looked at to see who they called, you know, to see, because um, uh, Kenneth Walker, the guy who shot me, he when when his mother showed up on scene, she told an officer that Kenny called her and said they're at the door. The police are at the door. I got to go and hung up. So mm. two phones in the apartment that we have no idea who called who. And, and it wasn't downloaded. It wasn't verified. It wasn't checked. So I can't give you an answer on what they were thinking on their behalf. There was some sloppy police work along with um, vengeance or, or super hatefulness from the media. Uh, with all the lies and, and things that were just exaggerated to a point that once it was out, once it went through social media and trended, um, you can't pull it back. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's unfortunate. And, and speaking of lies, Kenneth Walker, uh, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend at the time, uh, lied himself too. So there's, unfortunately, you guys weren't wearing body cams, right? So we, we can't really look at any of that. Um, but we do have body cam footage of like kind of the reaction to the shooting. Um, and I wanted to play a little bit of that because it doesn't really make its way into the um, the public arena, but it's Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, Kevin, uh, Kenneth Walker, sorry, uh, at first kind of saying Brianna was the one who shot the gun. And, and so I just want our audience to take a listen and then just get your reaction to him uh, not being honest with officers when after you were shot. So let's just get that. What did I do? What did I do? Who else in the apartment? Nobody. My girlfriend's dead. Where is she at in the apartment? She's on the ground. Where at? In the hallway. What kind of gun did she shoot? Uh, it's a right nine. It's a regular nine millimeter. Did she shoot or you shoot it? It was her. She's scared. Yeah, it was her. She was scared. It, it's unfortunate, and I understand why you'd be emotional. That's that's a scary situation, but um. I want to get to the point where he shot the gun, not her. So he, mm -hmm. he's lying there. And then I also want to get to the point of, of how he reacted after he he shot his gun. So uh, from from what I've heard, he kind of acted cowardly. And I'll let you kind of describe how he uh, reacted after shooting at officers and then returning fire. 
Yeah, well, let's go a little bit before that, because another narrative is she was in bed asleep and she may have been asleep prior to us getting there, but she was in the hall standing next to him. And and if somebody's banging at your door for a minute and you think you're getting robbed, why would you bring your girlfriend in the hall with you? Number one, why would you dive out of the way and leave her there? She tried to follow him into the other room after he shot. So she walked right into the pathway of the bullets, unfortunately. And I do believe Brown is a victim. You know, I don't want to sit here and bash her and, and do all that thing. But at the same time, unfortunately, she put herself in a horrible situation. Um, but then he waits six and a half minutes before, before he calls 911. He waited 17 minutes before he came out of the apartment so police could go in uh, and give her some help. So all these things, then when he comes out, he blames her. And then, then his story on Good Morning America and all the things were like, I held her and I took her to the ground and he had no blood on him. Uh, if he had taken her to the ground, he would be dead because that's where the bullet holes were in the wall behind him. Um, so just a lot of lies. This guy's consistently lying. As soon as he goes to jail, he's calling some other girl, trying to have phone sex with her. Calls another girl about a week later, says he loves her, is going to marry her when he gets out. So all this stuff about, oh, this is the love of my life and we're having all these kids and all this stuff. It was, it was just a bunch of bull. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the sad part in all of this is he was given a $2 million settlement. So yeah. um, he, his pockets were lined. Yeah. yeah was, at the end of the this. final kick I got, you know, while we're down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all uh, very disturbing. Well, listen, we're going to follow this story. Uh, I'm quite intrigued with the ex-boyfriends uh, now that he's on the run uh, to see kind of what they're going to do. If they're even going to charge him with uh, manslaughter and this 13 year old child's death, because I think uh, in most states, I know here in Florida, we do prosecute uh, uh, those who, I guess, obtain the fentanyl and, 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 yeah. you know, a child, like in this case, uh, would, would, re would receive justice. So we're going to stay tuned to that and follow that. And I'm sure we'll have you back on to discuss, uh, John, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you joining the show today and all of your, uh, expertise. We're really looking forward to having you on again. Thanks, Brianna. Good luck. Thank you. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We are here to defend democracy. The misinformation poses a threat to our nation's health. Climate change is an emergency. Democratic socialism. Codified. Everyone's right to choose. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Brianna. Or call 878-PATRIOT.